Thank you, Andy. We appreciate that. I was thinking as he was singing, not only of Moses, but uh, you might remember when uh, Joshua had his encounter uh, with the pre-incarnate Christ uh, before the Battle of Jericho. Um, you remember he was off alone on top of a, one of the uh, hills that overlooked the military fortress of Jericho. He suddenly realized uh, he was not alone. And he looks to his side and he sees a, a man with his sword drawn. And of course, he's in enemy territory. He doesn't know if this is friend or foe. So he goes for his sword and he asks the logical question, are you for us or are you against us? And then uh, came back the reply that he was not ready for, uh, which was, neither. But as captain of the Lord's host, I am his come not to take sides, but to take over. And uh, with that, uh, Joshua put his face into the ground, and he said, What saith my Lord to his servant? And then don't miss uh, this answer of Christ uh, to that question. He said, Joshua, take off your shoes, boy, because you are on holy ground. And, uh, and uh, the fifth chapter ends by saying, And Joshua did so, and then it was in that encounter that, of course, uh, God gave him the uh, battle plan, uh, to get the victory over uh, Jericho, and that's a wonderful lesson for us going into the new year, uh, that we will find victory, what, in the presence of God, uh, surrendering to him on that holy ground, what saith my Lord to his servant. And when we come to that place of total and full surrender, uh, where we uh, desire nothing more than to submit to his authority, to serve his agenda, to seek his approval, not the approval of men, but his approval, uh, then God uh, can give us those uh, plans. He can give us that empowerment uh, to please Him. And I trust we'll all see that happen in the year 2018. Now, I'll warn you uh, up front, I'm uh, dealing with a little throat uh, cough deal. Uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Fluker, I'm all doped up. And uh, <laughs> so if I sound a little more dopier than normal, uh, blame Dr. Fluker and uh, what she prescribed me, um, and, and let me just go ahead and say, I know many of you, after the service, you're going to say, Brother Andy, you didn't sound any more doped up today than you normally do. <laughs> okay, I know you're going to get me on, on, on that one, uh, <clears throat> but I uh, trust I'll be able to make it through this without uh, coughing all, all over you, and I'll trust God uh, for that. Uh, and let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to take off this coat just so I don't get overheated in these lights. That's not going to be a good thing. But I hope you picked up a copy of the sermon notes, uh, How to Make a Fresh Start in 2018. And this first statement that I'm going to make is a very important one. God is much more interested in your future than in your past, uh, because it is in the future that you are going to live the rest of your life. Now, in 2017, you may have experienced uh, a great failure. It could have been a financial failure, a relational failure, uh, possibly a moral uh, failure. But no matter how bad you mess things up in 2017, uh, no matter how great uh, your guilt and regret, God is prepared to give you a fresh start in 2018. And that is what we're going to look at this morning. And you'll notice in your sermon notes, I take that word start and just using an, as, a, as an acrostic, 
uh, just build our points. So look at the letter S, uh, which is our first truth, and that is to stop making excuses. If uh, I'm going to know God giving me a fresh start in 2018, and it begins by stop making excuses for myself. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins, people who conceal or hide, try to cover up their sins, will what? Not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, what will they receive from God? Mercy. Mercy. You know, I said a moment ago that God is more interested in your future than in your past, and that is true. But to be able to move forward into the future with God, with confidence, you must first make peace with your past. Uh, You must first confess any sinful attitudes, any sinful conduct that caused you to drift from God in 2017, and then you must, what, do an about-face, make a complete U-turn to return to the Lord Jesus Christ as your first love. Now, sadly, let's all admit this, uh, we have a tendency not uh, to become uh, totally honest before God, not to become clean before God. Uh, Too often we try to excuse ourselves or blame others, but that is the very worst thing you can do. When you minimize or excuse or justify your sin, when you try to blame others uh, for your lousy attitudes or wrongdoings, uh, you only allow sin and guilt to spread and to infect your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that is how you begin to develop sinful habits and strongholds that will only lead you, what, into greater failure, greater guilt, greater heartache. Now listen, beloved, God does not provide forgiveness for excuses, but he does provide forgiveness for sin. There's an answer, there's a remedy, and of course that answer and remedy is in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross when he died for our sins. And that forgiveness is available to all who will become honest, who will confess and forsake their sin to follow Christ. Let me give you a, a great, great example of this. Uh, you don't have to turn there. You're welcome to uh, Psalm 32. Uh, psalm 32 is a psalm of David. Uh, this is one of the psalms, uh, just to give you the background because it's so important for you to understand this. This is one of the psalms that David wrote after his greatest failure in life when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he not only committed adultery with Bathsheba, but remember he tried to cover up his sin after she became pregnant by what? Having her husband murdered, Uriah. And not only was he guilty of adultery, not only was he guilty of murder, but then there was this big cover-up. There was this big scam, this deception that went on for months uh, because he didn't want to lose face in the eyes uh, of, of the people. But you remember the story. He was eventually broken by God. He eventually did come to the place of repentance where he did, as we've been talking about, 
became honest, confessed his sin, did that about face, did that U-turn to return to God as his first love. And listen to what David wrote. This is absolutely magnificent when you understand that he's writing it as a man who was just recently guilty of adultery, murder, and the worst of deceptions. He says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Now, let me just pause right there. That word forgiven, it means to dismiss something. It means to cancel it out. It means to erase it. In other words, David is saying, in light of my sin, I now have a clean slate going forward with God in the future. And you can have a clean slate going with God into the new year. If you will only do what David did, and that is to become honest, to confess your sin, to forsake your sin. And then he goes on, verse 2, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived, don't miss this, in complete honesty. See, that's what's required of us. Complete honesty, humility before God. And let me just pause right there. I'm going to read the rest of the psalm. But I want to give you a wonderful New Testament uh, cross-reference, and that's uh, 1 John chapter 1. Uh, let me read uh, just several verses. I'll begin at verse 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from God and announced to you, that God is light. And in Him there is what? No darkness at all. If we say, as children of God, if we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, and that would be a synonym for any sinful attitudes or conduct, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, what's He saying? He's saying, if you will walk in the light, in other words, if you become totally honest before God, totally transparent before God, agreeing with God in His Word, and His evaluation of His life, and when He points out anything that grieves Him or quenches Him, anything that displeases or dishonors Him, if you will stay in that light, not trying to run to darkness to cover it up, to hide it, but if you'll bring it out in the open and turn to Jesus, you have that wonderful promise, the blood of Jesus, cleansing you from all sin. He says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful in just what? To forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, go, go back to Psalm 32. So, he says in verse 2 again, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord, the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And then verse 3, notice he describes that period of time in his life when he tried to cover his sin, when he tried to hide it, not bring it out in the open. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long, day and night. <clears throat> 
Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, verse 5, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, therefore, here's the lesson. Let all the godly, let all God's children pray to Him while there is still time that they might not drown in the floodwaters of judgment or discipline or chastening. For you are, are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. But you're not going to find that pathway in darkness concealing your sin. It's walking again in the light. And if you walk in the light, He will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So do you want a fresh start in 2018? Well, you do have to go back and acknowledge your sin in 2017. All those attitudes, any conduct not right before God, you have to get totally honest, confess, turn from that to know God's mercy. Now, before we move to the next point, I just want to touch on three common causes for failure that you see there in your notes. And and here, I'm focusing more on the task that we give ourselves to. Uh, Maybe your occupation, uh, maybe you as a student at school, uh, maybe uh, uh, in your marriage relationship, uh, those things that we give our minds, our hearts, and our, our hands to. And, and just very, very quickly, I don't have time to linger long. Uh, the, the first common cause for failure in the task we give ourselves to is we don't plan ahead. That's that first point. We don't plan ahead. Look at Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve. A prudent man or a wise person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. You know, it's just the old cliche, if you fail to plan, you're planning to what? To fail. So, as we go into the new year, we do need uh, to plan ahead in terms of looking to God, finding His wisdom, finding His purpose for our lives. The second cause often for failure Uh, in accomplishing our task is we don't listen to others. We do not listen to others. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So it's very, very important, whether it's your occupation or as a student or in marriage, you seek out people that are ahead of you in the game, that can give you very wise advice because they've been there, they've dealt with these issues. And they can help you circumvent the obvious pitfalls that that are there. 
uh, to know success. So it's very, very important for you uh, to seek out people that you trust, people that have a proven track record that can give you the advice and the wisdom and the counsel that you need. And then the third uh, obvious reason often for failure is we give up too soon. We'd simply just give up too soon. Proverbs 24.10, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Several examples of the need for perseverance. You know, there's a guy, uh, for you military folks, he was a general, and he lost uh, over two-thirds of the battles that he fought. Not a great track record. His name was George Washington. But although he lost most of the battles he fought in, he what? Won the war. And he won that war, you know the story, through tremendous perseverance in uh, difficult, difficult circumstances. There's another guy, another military guy, who graduated 42nd out of a class of 43. Uh, Didn't appear to have a very promising future. And then that guy went out and he conquered all of Europe. His name was Napoleon. Uh, Then there was another man that lost... Almost every election that he ran in, I believe he lost something like 10 or 12 elections uh, before he he won until he was finally elected president of the United States, and his name, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. Did you know Thomas Edison tried over 200 different elements before he figured out what was the right element to use in the light bulb? So over 200 failures before he had success. And that's why you can't give up too soon. Here's a good one that I've always loved. In 21 years, you all know the name Babe Ruth, the great uh, baseball player. He hit 714 home runs. But did you know that he struck out 1,330 times? Uh, He struck out nearly twice as often as he hit a home run. He once said, I love this, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. Uh, A famous novelist, this may be the greatest example of perseverance, a famous novelist in uh, England many years ago, his name was John Creasy. Uh, He received, get this now, 753 rejection slips. 753 different rejection slips from publishers before he published his first book. And then he went on to publish 564 books. (laughs) Now, can you even imagine the persistence of a man putting up with over 700 rejections before his first book was published and then going on to write over 500 more? Uh, You all know uh, R.P. Macy, Macy's department store. He failed seven times in retailing before he succeeded. I love this quote by Charles Swindoll. Let me read this to you and we'll move on to the next point. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. 
The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Look at the uh, letter T, that second letter in the word start, and that is to take stock of your experiences. As you go into the new year, if you want to have a fresh start, uh, you need to take stock of your experiences. Again, we're still looking at past experiences. Uh, Look at Galatians 3, 4. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? So you need to ask three questions, and I found these very, very important in my life, and especially at a juncture right now of moving from the old year into the new year. So the first thing I want to do is I want to ask, what have I learned? In other words, I want to take some time to reflect back on 2017. What did I experience in 2017? What were my adversities, the tests, the trials? I want to look at my successes as well as my uh, failures. You know, uh, Paul Bilheimer, just a great, great man of God who passed away some years back, uh, one of the wonderful classics that he wrote was, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And often we do waste our sorrows because we never ask, what have I learned from that? Even our failures to learn to do a better job going forward. You know, uh, we're in the middle of what? Bowl season with football teams. And, you know, one thing about football teams is although they're moving forward to play whatever the next game is, they put a lot of emphasis on what? Looking at tapes of previous games, and especially when they were defeated. And they look at those tapes for what reason? Not to grovel in in regret and shame and embarrassment, but to learn so that they don't make the same mistakes again, that they're able to improve their game. That's what I'm talking about. Look at 2007. Go go back over those tapes of 2017 and look and learn from them going forward. The second question, what are my assets going forward? What are my assets? And, and let me just give you a word of advice. There is no value in focusing on what you don't possess. Focus on what God has given you and then surrender that to Him. You know, we so often live our lives just focusing on, I don't have this, if I only had that, if I only had more, if I had, you know. And we never take the time to look at what God has provided and surrender. You know, I think of the feeding of the 5,000. You're familiar with that story? When uh, Jesus turns to his disciples, and, you know, they're, they're out in the uh, wilderness, and he's got this huge multitude of uh, men, women, and children, and he says, uh, hey, I want you all to feed them. What? They said, we don't even have enough in our treasury to buy enough bread to give everybody a, a crumb. And, of course, you know, it said the Bible says Jesus did that to test them. 
to see if they would really look to him in faith to provide or if they would grovel in worry and anxiety. And, of course, they failed the test. They fell into worry and anxiety. But then the, the, the key to the whole story is Jesus says, Hey, would you please go out into the crowd and see what you can find? And that's when Andrew found the little kid with his sack lunch. And Andrew brings the kid with his sack lunch to Jesus. Andrew could have been the hero of the story. He said, Jesus, hey, I found this lad with this sack lunch, and we're giving it to you. But then he opened up his mouth uh, to show his unbelief, and he says, but Lord, what are these in light of so many, in light of so much? And Jesus said what? Hey, will you give me that lunch, that little sack lunch? And then Jesus what? He blessed it. He thanked God, turned to his father, and then they what? We're able to feed that multitude of people. And the point I'm simply making is don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what God has given you. Surrender that, that to God, and God will make up the difference. Amen? God will make up the difference. Uh, and then look at the third question you need to ask. Who can help me? Who can help me going forward? In other words, you know, I've said many, many times, I believe every believer needs to be plugged into a small group, a small fellowship of other believers for encouragement and accountability. So maybe you need looking into 2018 say, I need to get involved in a Sunday school class. I need to get involved in a small group. I need to get involved in uh, one of the Bibles, maybe the Tuesday morning ladies study or the Wednesday precept study in the mornings or uh, some of the studies that are offered to the uh, men. Jonathan on Wednesday night. Uh, men's prayer breakfast, you need to ask yourself, who can help me? And then you may need to say, you know, do, do you need counseling? I mean, have you been struggling with some stronghold, some habit that just continues to, to lick you? Don't cover that up. Seek help. Get to me or to one of the other ministers or a mature, trusted believer that you can confide in that can help you uh, know the grace of God and provide the encouragement and accountability you need going forward. So look at the letter A. So I have to stop making excuses, take stock of uh, my experiences, and then the letter A, act in faith. Act in faith. Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, it will be done to you. In other words, what are you expecting God to do in 2018? I mean, are you just saying, I'm just expecting the same old, same old, and nothing is going to change in my life? Well, guess what? If that's your attitude, nothing is going to change in your life. See, we typically get out of life what we expect. So don't focus on the past. Plan for the future by setting what? Spiritual goals. You know, I think of our Carissa as she was going through school. Uh, I think most of you are familiar with special needs children. They have what's called an IEP, an Individualized Education Plan. And uh, it's a collaborative effort between the parents and the student and uh, her various teachers. And it normally is established before you ever go into the new year uh, at the end of the, the previous year. And what are you doing? You're, you're, you're looking at that student. You're looking at their uh, assets as well as some of their uh, limitations and struggles. And you're setting very, very specific goals, specific goals in reading or math or science, or interaction with the other students, and, you, and those goals are spelled out. And then as you go through that 
calendar, that new school year, those goals are regularly looked at. There's a regular evaluation. How are we doing? Are we moving in the right direction? We want to make sure we're not going back. Now, we didn't necessarily meet every goal every year with Chris's IEP, but we knew we were moving in the right direction. We knew that we were making progress so that she could reach her full potential. And it's the same type of thing. As, as you go into 2018, establish spiritual goals, things like getting into the Word of God, devotions, prayer, uh, getting involved in small groups, other people, uh, getting involved in worship on a more regular basis to get yourself under the teaching and preaching of, of, God's, of God's Word. And then I just wanted to put in Proverbs 29, 25. Uh, I think a very important verse. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. In other words, don't get intimidated by people. Don't become frightened by people. Uh, don't let people determine the outcome of your life. Look to God. And then look at the letter R. I have to then refocus my thoughts going into the new year. Refocus my thoughts. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. Be careful how you think. Why? Your life is shaped by your thoughts. How many times have I said from this pulpit, I've never known any believer that has ever come to know any significant degree of victory, especially consistent victory, until they got deadly serious about their thought life and bringing their thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, learning how to bounce their thoughts and their eyes quickly off of that which is inappropriate onto God's Word, onto His truth, onto that which is holy. And we're not just talking about lustful type of things. I'm talking about when you face anxiety or you face depression, whatever it might be, you nip that in the bud immediately by not embracing that and meditating on that, but you turn to God's Word to focus on that. Look at... Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, just several phrases out of those verses. Happy are those who are always meditating, what? On God's Word. They are like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. They succeed in everything they do. Let me give you another great New Testament cross-reference. The book of uh, James, uh, chapter 1. Listen to what it says about the importance of... Uh, of God's Word. Uh, verse 21, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wicked, wickedness, that's what we talked about earlier, in humility receive the Word implanted, which is able to save or deliver your souls. But prove yourselves to be doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude or deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. In other words, he looks at himself in the mirror, he sees his hair needs to be straightened up or face needs to be cleaned up. And instead of doing anything, he just walks away from the mirror and he makes no changes. He says, that, that's, that's what it's like when you constantly hear God's Word, but you don't appropriate it. You don't apply it. You don't do it. You don't put it into, into practice. And then it says, but the one who looks intently at God's law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. There's that promise of blessing, that promise of success 
if you meditate on God's Word. Now, four questions that I want to offer you that uh, bring me to meditate on and uh, act on God's Word. Now, for those of you that have been in the Edgewood family, you know that every New Year's message, I bring these four points in in some way. Uh, and it's because it's a practice that I have in my life going into the new year. And, I, and I, I must confess, because it's important for you to understand this, it's not just something I do going into the new year. In other words, I, I take these <coughs> four things, I use them to do that evaluation of my life in the past and renew my commitment going forward. And then as I go through the year, on a daily basis, I focus on these four things. In other words, you, you need to work this in, to become a very part of your life. To where as you walk through life and you encounter life's tests and trials and relationships and challenges, this becomes your, your automatic, immediate response uh, to begin to ask this. And, and that will cause you to turn to God, to meditate on His truth, and to find His direction for your life. And here they are. They're, they're, they're all found in the book of Philippians. And the first question is, how can I exalt the life of Christ in this circumstance? So again, what I want to do, I want to look back to 2017, the circumstances I faced. And I want to ask myself very honestly, how well did I do in utilizing my circumstances to exalt the life of Christ? Or did I find myself falling into unbelief, falling into anxiety, worry, depression, disappointment, anger with God, whatever it might be? And then acknowledge that. Get honest before God. Ask Him for forgiveness of that. And then as I go forward into the new year, I want to ask God to give me the grace in every circumstance I face, in every circumstance I encounter, that I will ask this question. Okay, in this circumstance, no matter it's a good thing or a bad thing, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, how can I use this? How can this be utilized to exalt Christ, to put Him on display before others? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, notice, My circumstances, Paul said, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Why? Because this was his commitment. Christ will even now is always be exalted. For to me to live is what? Christ. Second question. How can I exhibit the mind of Christ in this relationship? So again, I want to go back into 2017. I want to look at the relationships that I had with my wife, with my children, other family members, with the church family, with my neighbors, whoever it might be, uh, with my enemies, and I, I want to ask, how well in 2017 did I exhibit the mind of Christ in relating to others, in demonstrating an authentic Christianity? And then where I failed, again, acknowledge those failures. Get uh, transparent before God. Know His forgiveness. And then God, give me the grace going forward in 2018 in every relationship that I encounter in life to ask this question. How can I exhibit the mind of Christ? Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourself, which was what? Also in Christ Jesus. And earlier in this, that same passage, it says, as you relate to, to others, don't do anything from selfishness. Don't do anything to put yourself up on a pedestal. But instead, with humility of mind, like our Savior, regard others more important than yourself. Don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests. Look to the welfare. Look to the benefit of others. Serve others as Christ has served you. The third question, how can I embrace the goal of Christ in this decision? So again, I go back to 2000, 
17, I look at all the crossroads I came to in 2000, all the decisions, and I ask, did I, did I look to Christ? Am I confident that I, I found his plan, his purpose, and I stepped out in faith to follow him? And again, where I did not, I acknowledge that. I confess that, to know God's forgiveness. And then going into 2018, God, will you give me the grace that in every decision I come to, I'll bring that decision to you. Is how in what what would be the best decision to come to that would further my walk with you and my opportunity to make you known to others? Folks, these are transformative questions if we really put them in practice. Think about that. I face this circumstance. How can I exalt Christ in this circumstance? In this relationship, how can I exhibit the mind of Christ in this relationship? In every decision, you know, how can I make decision in light of my goal being to become more like Christ and to make him known to others? In the fourth question, how can I express the strength of Christ in this challenge? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So again, I look back in 2017 at the challenges I faced. Did I really rely on the strength of the Lord or did I rely on my own strength and own wisdom and was that the reason I failed? I acknowledge that. And in going forward, God, give me the grace to lean on your strength in all things. So how do you find a fresh start in 2018? You stop making excuses. You take stock of your experiences. You act in faith. You refocus your thoughts. And then the very last point, I trust God to help me. Can't do it without God's help. Can't do it without God's enabling empowerment. I can, I, apart from Christ, I can do what? Nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. See, reality is, going into 2018, I can tell you right now, every one of us are going to encounter opportunities that God will disguise as impossible situations to be able to test and strengthen our faith and so that he receives the glory. So as you come to those opportunities disguised as impossible situations, you're going to have a choice like Chuck Swindoll said. Am I going to focus on the impossibility of the situation or again the impossibility of God breaking his word, knowing that God will be true to his promise? And that I can trust him to cause all things, all things, to work ultimately for my good in his greater glory. And then look at Zechariah 4, 6. You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. And as I close, let me leave you with a great prayer. I, I would suggest that you, one of, the, one of the commitments you make is that you commit to praying this prayer for your life, uh, for your family, for your loved ones, uh, every day in 2018. I mean, it will not take you more than about a minute or two minutes. Now, if you make this commitment and you, you know, you go down about a week and do it, then you, you stop. Don't, don't get all upset about that. Just acknowledge, okay, I've, I got away from it and get right back to it. And the prayer is in Ephesians 3. It's Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, just jot that down. Ephesians 3, 14 through. But here's the heart of the prayer. 
that, that really is a prayer of trust in God and the Holy Spirit working in you. He prays, grant me according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. Where? In the inner man. Why in the inner man? Because that's where God desires truth and honesty and transparency. That's where God desires Christ-likeness. That's where God desires for there to be authenticity. And folks, let's admit it. I can't change the inside. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I surrender my life, giving him the freedom to purge, to refine, to clean me from the inside out so that my heart always provides Jesus a home where he can dwell comfortably to have his way and to have his will. So he says, grant me according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the depths of my inner being. Why? So he says that I might, uh, being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, comprehend what is the length, depth, breadth, and height of Christ that is beyond our knowledge and comprehension. So he says, let me know your work in the inner man so that I can know the love of Jesus, so that I might spread that love. And then he says that I might be filled with the fullness of Christ. Take everything out of my life that's not like Jesus and fill me with Jesus that wherever I am, Jesus would be put on display. And then he ends that marvelous prayer by saying, now unto him who is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that I could ask, think, or expect. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, simple prayer. And I would just encourage you on a daily basis, begin praying that prayer in 2018. That you'll know the strengthening and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, as you trust God to do beyond what you could ever imagine or expect in 2018. Would you bow with me in prayer? As we close, I just want to give you just a moment to, to, to respond to the truth in this message. Uh, first, would you ask God to examine your life, to test your life, to point out anything in 2017 that you have not already confessed and forsaken? And would you ask him to point that out and give you the opportunity to do that? Just ask him to say, you know, that may not happen in this next minute or two. But just say, Lord, over the next day or two, I'm going to trust you to point out anything that has gone unconfessed in my life. Where I've not forsaken that thing and done that about face. Done that U-turn to return to Jesus as my first love. So just ask him to point that out. And then, would you ask God to give you the grace? And this can only be done through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, of course. Yes, God, I do desire to live for you in every circumstance, to love like Christ in every relationship, to look to Christ in every decision, and to lean on Christ in every challenge. And Lord, in, in saying that, I know that I'm going to fail but thank you, that won't change your love for me. And thank you, even when I fail, there's the opportunity for forgiveness and to return to follow along that path. And just ask God to give you the grace to do that. And then would you just simply ask God that he would do in and through your life, in and through this church in the new year, in 2018, beyond what any one of us right now could imagine, think, or expect. 
because that's the kind of God that he is, a God that surprises us. He doesn't want us to remain in the status quo, in the ordinary. He wants to do the extraordinary. Father, as we uh, look into um, the new year, uh, we know the challenges will be great, but also uh, the opportunity to serve you and to honor you is great. And Lord, as we've already acknowledged this morning, uh, apart from you, we can do nothing. But thank you that uh, you have not left us to ourselves. As your children, we literally have been united to Christ. Through his wounds, we've been grafted into the very uh, vine of Christ that we might know that life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit flowing in and through our branch, enabling us to produce fruit, those fruits of the Spirit, not so much for our benefit but for the nourishment of others as our lives and our church becomes an oasis of Jesus in a lost and a dark world uh, to bring your life, light, and love uh, to others. So, Lord, do use us in this next year. Uh, We do trust in our lives through our church. You will do beyond what we could even pray for this morning, expect or imagine, and that you'll do this for your honor and for your glory. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.